Hello, and welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are a faith-filled, family-focused church located in Lakeville, Minnesota. In a moment, you will hear a sermon from one of our pastors. We hope that you enjoy and grow closer to God through these messages. And now, for a message from our lead pastor, Derek Ross. Amen. Well, that's our very first uh, cultural trip of the year. So there's, I think, nine more coming up or eight. There's one every month. So uh, if you haven't had a chance to sign up, hopefully you got one of these Kingdom Builders books. All the different trips are listed. Some of them are still accurate of when they're happening. But uh, starting next month, we've got one with uh, uh, India and uh, then Somalia locally and uh, Judaism as well. So make sure you get one of those books and there's opportunity to sign up. Those are only uh, $200, 100 of that. You're going to a restaurant and mosque or place of worship. And then we uh, also partner with and give half of that money to uh, whoever we're working with, whether that's a missionary or a local pastor. So that's so great. Hopefully you can see that. Also in those books, if you didn't get one out in the lobby, you could do that. Mission serve team members there. Uh, highlighting different missionaries, different projects we're endeavoring on this year for our goal of uh, 500,000. So you can pray about uh, the different projects, the different people, and ask God to speak to you about who you can support. Also, um, hopefully, you, many of you signed up this week. On the back of the note sheet is the QR code again to sign up for Change the Map Prayer. And I downloaded the app, was listening to things this week. We're joining in with 2,500 people from across Minnesota, 50,000 across the nation that are committing to pray once a week for the Buddhist world. And so after hearing from Darth Lee, uh, we're just so committed to doing that. And so hopefully you can sign up. I listened to some of those things this week, podcasts, different prayers, and I'll share a little bit about that at a different point in the message. So hopefully you're taking advantage of those kind of things. Also, we mentioned uh, some changes with the staff with all the additional things that we're doing with Global Missions. Uh, Pastor Vicente is handing off a lot of that Global Missions work to Pastor Josiah. So he's gonna be leading us because we're working a year out in advance with planning and so doing that. But that also means that he's handing back off oversight of uh, our facilities and maintenance back to Pastor Lewis. At Connect Lunch, Pastor Lewis always introduces himself as the pastor that does whatever I tell him to which I feel like more of our staff should have that feeling. But anyway, um, <laughs> really what he just says, all the stuff Pastor Derek doesn't want to do. And so that's also a lot of stuff. But so Pastor Lewis is going to take that back on. I think it's the third time he's helped overseeing that. But uh, I think excellence in our facilities honors God and inspires people. And so uh, I enjoy having Pastor Lewis work closely with me. So we're doing that. But also uh, this last week, we were able, or I guess it's been a couple weeks now, but so much growth in the youth ministry, we were able to bring on uh, Tegan part-time to help out with middle school and then also in maintenance and facilities. So if you see those people running around, it's a great thing, running around, walking around, however they are, but we're believing for more uh, this year from God, amen? Uh, I mentioned last week that as Kingdom Builders, for us is exclusively missions. Um, so when we do remodel projects here at the church, a lot of times we're able just to uh, budget for those things as we were able to do with uh, the coffee bar area, cafe, whatever we call it down there. And um, the tea place for me on Sunday morning because I drink my coffee before I come to church. I want to be fully sanctified before I get here. And um, coffee keeps me close to Jesus because uh, we got kids. You know what I'm saying? That's just where we're at. Anyway, so uh, for us, when we do remodels in the building and giving opportunity for that, we call it heart for the house. And so with the um, incredible amount of growth that we've seen in the youth 
in kids' ministries over the last year. We're uh, doing some remodeling, some upgrades for them in those areas. The kids' bathrooms are uh, single-stall bathrooms, and they are very old, 20 or 30 years old. I'm not sure what part of that building, when that was built, but uh, they have not been, uh, they've been cleaned since then, but they've never been, uh, <laughs> thank the Lord. Uh, and they're just, let's just say the aim is not as optimal as it could be all the time. So we're gonna remodel those single-stall bathrooms, and then we also have one final single-stall bathroom in A2 that we need to remodel. Uh, when we have weddings, that's where a bride gets ready. But also just recognizing that uh, we, we re realize that in 2024, with the deception of the enemy, where we live in Minnesota, there are people uh, struggling with gender confusion. And so uh, we want people to be able to use the right bathroom. And so for somebody that's confused, that bathroom is on their own. And we don't want them to go in the kids' bathrooms. We don't want them to go in the group bathrooms. And so we're utilizing that single-stall bathroom. So we're looking to remodel those this year. You can mark a gift for that. Uh, let's see. Oh yeah. Youth ministry has grown so much. We had, we're needing to buy some stuff this Wednesday. They're doing invite night. They're going to be hanging out upstairs and then come down here for worship and the word on Wednesday night. And so we're, uh, getting some upgrades in here and then upstairs. Cause for the last, uh, really two months, I'm not sure, uh, three months, maybe they've been over 160 students on Wednesday night. And so, um, that's about, that's about triple what it was a year ago. And I'm not gonna say it's double what the fire marshal wants, but it's a lot. And so uh, we're, we're legal, but uh, we can improve. And so they're gonna be coming down here for worship and word and hanging out up there. So we need a lot of that stuff. And so it's a great deal because as Pastor Josh was saying, hey, Pastor Derek, we don't have room for any more students. And uh, we've seen such revival in a couple campuses in Faribault and New Prague that we've been praying for the other 11 campuses within 17 minutes of celebration. And we don't wanna turn anybody away due to lack of space. And so we're gonna try that this Wednesday. So thanks for your partnership with that. And then the original Southeast entrance, those doors were broke again today when I tried to come into church. And so I pulled harder. Anyway, we gotta remodel that or, or fix it so that it can lock because we do have a, a daycare, licensed daycare led by Molly Fry. And uh, we're over 90 students in that. It's amazing. But we wanna make sure we're able to have proper locking doors when it comes to those kids. So to be clear, theirs are working right, ours are not, and we want everybody to be safe. So thanks for your help. You can mark that on an envelope or a QR code or drop down online. You wanna help with things on the building, that's Heart for the House. You wanna help with things with missions, that's Kingdom Builders. God uh, will help us do it all, amen? All right, Ephesians chapter six. If you're able, would you stand to your feet this morning as we read God's word together? Let me just look and make sure. Uh, last week I had seven pages, today I have nine but the Super Bowl doesn't start till tonight, so it's gonna be all right. Hopefully you've got your food getting ready. Let's see, this is week number two of our Battle Ready series. Last week we talked about strong enough to stand. Last week was lots of preaching. It was heavy on inspiration. Yeah, even on Monday, Pastor Dan said, did you have fun with that message, Pastor Derek? I said, yes, I did. Today is less inspiration, less preaching, a little bit more education, a little more teaching as we're talking about spiritual warfare. There, there are verses back to back. They go hand in hand, and so it's important that we do that, but I'm going to uh, talk for a long time. I was gonna say for a little bit, but I'm gonna talk for a long time, uh, but I wanna give you ways that you can live in victory every day of your life, amen? Because that's how we were created to live. We don't need to live in fear of the enemy. The Bible says greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. So, so we're gonna reveal some of that stuff, but most importantly, I want you to know how you can live in victory every day. I surveyed our staff, our pastors, and we're gonna, I'm gonna share that with you, even what they had to say, and then uh, we're gonna pray one for another as well and worship one more time because God deserves it all, amen? 
All right, here we go. Uh, Ephesians chapter six, same verses for the next two months. I mean, same theme verses. There's plenty of other verses, but anyway, whether you brought your Bible like I did or you're reading on the screen, we got it. It's all good. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you could take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of the dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, which can extinguish all, how many flaming arrows? All the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Verse 18, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me and your pastor that whenever I speak, words may be given to me so that I may fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I'm an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Gonna narrow in on verses 12 and 13 today. Teach a little bit on spiritual warfare. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you've given us everything we need to be victorious in this life. Lord Jesus, through your death and resurrection, the great gift of Holy Spirit, we've been given what we need. I pray that you'd help your people live in victory today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Get those note sheets. I'm gonna get to that in a little bit. Uh, I only have three points today, so that's good news. Uh, unfortunately, point number three has seven subpoints, so that means it's a 10-point message. Uh, but it looks better because it only looks like three with a bunch of bullet points, so it's awesome. Uh, just as a reminder, in case you missed, or if you were here last week and you didn't memorize everything I said, this will be a reminder. If you were gone, this may be new information for you, but let me just give a short little recap, and then for the rest of the month, we'll just tell everybody, watch it if you missed it. Uh, the Apostle Paul wrote this letter to the church in Ephesus. Paul was not always an apostle. He used to be a bad dude before he met Jesus. <laughs> Anybody else thankful that you met Jesus? On one day, he was going to persecute believers. He was on his way to destroy Christians, and Jesus met him on that road to Damascus. And the Bible says in one moment, Saul was changed. He was transformed from the inside out. Saul became Paul. Saul became Paul. And since that day, he probably became the most quoted figure in history. He ended up under the ministry of the Holy Spirit, wrote half the New Testament and everything in his life turned around. So he wrote this letter to the church in Ephesus whole book of Ephesians. Later in Revelation chapter two, we read about different churches in the end times. And this church in Ephesus is one of the churches that uh, John the Revelator wrote about. And he said he saw this church of Ephesus in Revelation chapter two. And I love the description. It sounded like the church in Ephesus might've been a Lutheran church from Minnesota. It says they were known for their hard work and their perseverance. Nothing says upper Midwest cold winter Lutheran Norwegian like hard work and perseverance. Come on, just to get through winter, you can't give up. 
Unless it's this year. Come on, somebody. Isn't this winter a gift from the Lord? I hate to tell you this, but there are places in the world where this is winter every year. We've lived in those places, haven't we, Jeff? But here we are. Thank the Lord. But, uh, but later we read in Revelation chapter two that that same group of believers, yes, they worked hard. Yes, they persevered. But the Bible says they forgot their first love. Isn't that true for all of us that if we're not careful, we can depart from devotion and end up in duty so easily? That we just check the spiritual box, that we make sure we're in church, but we're not really part of church, right? We, we, we can, on the outside, it looks like we're doing everything, but we've lost our love for him or realizing his love for us. Paul gave this church in Ephesus lots of instructions for their lives, for their families, how to interact with one another. But then he said, finally, in verse 10, I need to talk to you about the most important thing, I believe, is what he said. And he said, it's spiritual warfare. Well, if Paul felt like it was really important to end this letter to that church, I think it's important that we take a little bit of time. So that's what we're going to do. Last week, strong enough to stand, right? We're not standing in our own strength. It's only through the strength that comes from the endunimo power of the Holy Spirit. We don't have to go through this life on our own. We shouldn't go through this life on our own. Yes, we need other men and women full of faith around us, but most of all, we need the help of Holy Spirit. We need that special power that's given to us. Historically, endunimo power is, is not just re, uh, restricted to the word of God. It had this idea in that day, the classical Greek writers used the same word, endunimo, to describe individuals who were handpicked by the gods, little g gods, to perform extra special human tasks. Have you ever heard of Hercules? Hercules, Hercules. Anyway. <laughs> First service didn't get that. I didn't have time for any extra jokes, but here we are in the second service. He was believed to be the result of the pagan Greek gods that deposited endunimo power into him. Now we know that not to be true, but the apostle Paul was communicating to those believers his firm belief that when God's power is released full force in the life of a believer, the supernatural flow of power will turn that normal believer into a spiritual giant. That we can do what we cannot do on our own. We can do things with him that we cannot do without him. Come on, this is just the introduction and I'm teaching, I'm not preaching today, but I'm thankful God designed us to receive his spirit and experience his supernatural power. Why? Because spiritual warfare requires spiritual weapons. We cannot continue fighting this battle on our own, which is why you should be thankful you have a pastor who loves you enough to get you battle ready. <laughs> I don't think this is the time for health and wealth soliloquies. I had to Google how to spell soliloquies, but I thought it sounded awesome to put in a message. Because <laughs> the times we're in, the day we're living in requires power. For our struggle, verse 12, is not against flesh and blood, have you noticed that the enemy's goal is always, was, is, and will be destruction? We talked about this last week, right? Nothing he offers is ever good. Even if it looks good, smells good, sounds good, it ain't good. Yeah, but what about, nope, remember? Okay, it's, it's always bad. That's always his goal. It's always how it's gonna happen. But have you noticed that his strategy is always division? And that's what Paul was speaking to when he said, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. If I was the reader, I'd have been like, want to bet? 
But what he was saying is there's something bigger going on that you don't see. And by the way, what you don't see is actually more real than what you do see. He said, we're wrestling, we're battling their spiritual warfare that's against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of the dark world and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. So that brings me to the note sheet which is good for those of you that want to fill in the blanks. We'll fill them all in, I promise. Number one, we need to understand that spiritual battles should be expected. Tragically, many, if not most Christians in America are unaware of this reality. And until you realize the battle you're in is spiritual, you'll keep fighting it in natural ways. I remember the first time I heard my dad talk to me about spiritual warfare. I was a young boy at our church in Seattle and he went there and discovered generationally and he explained to me what the spiritual strongman in that house was. I wasn't fully aware of that, but he began to tell me this is spiritual. It's not just a problem with the staff members, it's not just a problem with families in church. When they began to look generationally, when they began to pray and ask the Holy Spirit for help, spoiler alert for number two, but there was something that was going on. It was bigger, it was something different than the natural, it was spiritual. So Paul said it right off the bat we do have struggles. As a reminder, don't be some weird, super saved Christian that's going around being like, there's no problems. Spoiler alert, we got problems. <laughs> some of you are like, no, we have opportunities. We got problems. <laughs> we got problems, okay? <laughs> so we do have a battle, but it's not necessarily what you think. It's not natural, it's supernatural. It's spiritual warfare against the powers of the dark world. Let me help you this way. Your neighbor and your landlord aren't the real problems. Your boss and your coworker aren't the real problems. Your spouse and your kids aren't the real problems. It's getting pretty quiet up in here. The Democrats and the Republicans, you know what, they might be the problem. They might be... They might be the real problem. That's my bad. I was just so excited about all these things that aren't the real problems. My hand's up. I got to own that one. They might be. They might be the problem. All right, come on. These, these might be problems, but they're not the real issue or the real problem that we're fighting against. Let me say this. I hope you write this down. We, need to, we are called to stand with people and against the devil's schemes. The real problem is not your neighbor, not your coworker, not your spouse. We're standing against the devil's schemes. Why? Because it's the devil who's tricked us into fighting the wrong things. One of the reasons that we see more fighting in the churches in America than we do in the churches around the world is because we've been deceived into thinking our neighbor, the person sitting next to us in the pew, chair, or different section of the sanctuary is our opponent. But the believers around the world are keenly aware to the spiritual reality, the spiritual warfare all around them, and they don't have time to fight about the color of carpet in their church. I mean, spoiler alert, most of the believers around the world don't have carpet in their church. So they don't have that fight to, did you know churches have split over the color of carpet they remodeled? 
our society's constantly fighting. We're yelling and rarely listening. As a reminder, listening is more than waiting for your turn to talk. Some of you are like, I'm listening while I'm reloading. Come on, that's not what we're talking about. (laughs) We just heard testimony of some fighting that had been decades at another city in our state. And just this last week in the meetings I was in, by the way, thank you for your prayers. There was 140 of those that we interviewed, 137 of them. We're uh, conveying that credential for their work in the ministry. But, but we heard testimony in, in two cities that are neighboring that have been fighting for generations. And they got together and they realized what their, the fight, it wasn't natural, it was spiritual. That they called a prayer meeting together, that they renounced some things, that they repented of some things, that they apologized for some things, and they put a stake in the ground that said, on this day, we had split up, but on this day, we're coming back together, and there's going to be a spirit of unity between these two churches in two neighboring towns. This happens, friends. It's not natural. It's supernatural. It's spiritual. Therefore, it's no wonder why many Christians don't live in victory. I'm gonna talk about that point three, how to experience that victory. Why? Because we're fighting a spiritual war with natural weapons and in natural ways. So as believers, we should not be surprised when Satan attacks us. Rather, we should expect it. Even this week, as I'm praying and preparing and working and dealing with things, I don't know how else to say it, but it felt like all hell was breaking loose. I got up early praying for you since three this morning, just praying that God would do what only he could do. I got to the church and after I'd been here about an hour, I found out some spiritual warfare broke out. I'm not gonna talk about it because I'm online right now, but I'm just saying. This is what Paul said, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11. This, we, we, we do this, we understand this, we need to learn about this in order that Satan might not outwit us. Sadly, he's outwitting a lot of believers. He says, we're not supposed to be unaware of his schemes, but many are, but not you, because you're here today. Or you'll watch it later, I don't know. You don't need to watch it later, you're here. Anyway, uh, tragically, many believers, especially in our nation, more more so than around the world, are unaware of the devil's schemes. Have you noticed that the greatest spiritual attacks are often right before your greatest spiritual breakthrough? So I knew God was gonna do something awesome today. We've been fighting those attacks. We've been seeing that kind of thing. I believe we're living testimonies of this reality that our greatest spiritual attacks come right before our greatest spiritual breakthroughs. Let me explain the last maybe 15, 16 months or so here in the Ross family, the life of our church. It was uh, near the end of 2022 that I got our team together, especially Pastor Vicente, and um, I said, we need to change our website. We're making some changes in the prayer ministry. Uh, Now you know it as prayer counseling and deliverance, but um, so by the way, 
it used to just say like helping the hurting or prayer and care. And so we've always had opportunities to help the hurting. We've always believed in uh, the power of prayer and deliverance from evil things and, and strongholds that have held people back. But it was kind of more of a under the cover. It was like a Minnesota nice way of saying prayer and care. And you're like, oh, I would like prayer. Does somebody care? We're like, we sure do. Now we'll tell you. We're like, oh, I feel like demons. We're like, we could pray. You know, like it was kind of that progression. Like it reads really nice on the internet. We'll have a follow-up. You're really worried. We got you, you know? And as I was praying, I just, I told Pastor Vicente, well, I mean, I, I called him Vicente, but we're here publicly, so then it's Pastor Vicente. Some of you are like, that's real formal in the office, you know? No, it's just because I'm trying to talk to you about it. And, and I said, I think it's time to just be bold and just, you know, if people are scared by that word, I hate to tell them what spiritual warfare is really like. It's just like an English word. <laughs> Uh, so like, we don't need to be scared of that kind of stuff. And as a reminder, greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. So I don't know why in the world we would live in fear when we've been given faith. Anyway, by the way, the Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please him. So why not activate our faith and say, God, would you come and do for me what I cannot do for myself? That's the story of our salvation. We couldn't save ourselves, so we just simply accepted the finished work of Jesus Christ. The same principle applies. We just simply believe in faith and we receive from him what we cannot do for ourselves. This is not um, pop psychology. This is not, you're gonna make it because gosh darn it, people like you. This is the truth of God's word that when he comes in, he changes everything from the inside out. So I told Vicente, Pastor Vicente, I said, just go ahead, put prayer counseling and deliverance, put it up on the website, because the truth is when you're battling a power greater than what you've encountered, you don't worry about a cute name. So we said, Pastor Andy, about to lead it, because he's not worried, he's not scared, he's not afraid. So I said, go ahead, Andy, make it happen. So we did, in January of 2023, changed the website, or really in December, and then things began to ramp up rather quickly. Now, let me fast forward to a social media post my wife made this week, referring to almost a year ago. So it was after we made that change, that decision that we were going to be bold and upfront and help people live in victory. I told her last night, uh, I said, there's no going back once I read this publicly, you know, because then everybody's going to know what we really believe. I mean, we've always believed it, but I'm just saying, once I read this, there's no, it's on the internet. It lives forever. Even this last week, we were discussing something, and there was one person, and they had some uh, doctrinal issues, theological issues, and we weren't sure if we could pass this person along, and somebody was like, it sounds like they were too outspoken and too Pentecostal. I raised my hand. I was like, if those two things are an issue, don't turn into my live stream, you know, because <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> I don't fit that bill of just sit there, be quiet, and whatever. I'm like, Let's wait till I get fired up, you know, so anyway. I'm going to read to you what she posted because this is the reality. I just don't want you to be surprised by it. I sure don't want you to be afraid of it. You don't need to live in fear. None of those kind of things. I just want you to be aware. In fact, I want you to expect it because even as we continue to, one of the things we've been talking about this year is that we believe that it's going to be a year where we're reclaiming some territory that was ceded to the enemy and so as we're reclaiming things that God had previously given to us, we have to expect opposition. Here's what she put. Long warning, long post ahead. Maybe I should just begin every sermon with those few words. Okay? <laughs> warning, long message ahead. Okay. 
This is her writing, so I'll read it as her. It's taken me almost a year to share this story, and I've been hesitant for various reasons, but believe now is the time to share my experience. Almost a year ago, my three kids and I were driving home from Wednesday night church. As we neared a bend in the road near our house, I looked over to my right and very vividly saw very vividly two large beings running alongside our car. They were solid black, shadow-like, with no faces, with long arms and legs. They appeared to be about seven to eight feet tall. As these two beings were running right alongside of us, I noticed they kept trying to jump in front of our car, but it looked like they were being stopped by an invisible wall. They kept trying to reach our car, but every attempt failed. After about five to six seconds, they both stopped and stood still just as we were about to enter the neighborhood. I remember being stunned at what was happening, and the only thing I could do was whisper, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. My kids never saw them. They kept talking to each other about the night and had no idea what just transpired. I didn't tell them because I knew they'd be fearful and not able to sleep that night. For the next couple of weeks, I found myself waking up with nail indents in my palms from squeezing my fists so tight as I slept. This was the first and only time since that God allowed me to see with physical eyes what was happening in the spiritual world all around me. Derek and I were facing so much heavy demonic spiritual oppression coming after us and Celebration Church at the time that God needed me to see that yes, we were not crazy in what we were feeling, but more importantly, that he was our protection and savior during these times. I share this story now for two main reasons, she goes on to say. Number one, I so desperately want people to realize that there is a spiritual war happening all around us. The demonic world is very real and the enemy of your soul is very much after you, your family, and your church. Number two, your prayers of protection over your family and your pastors very much do matter. The more we as Christians continue to fight back against the darkness and reclaim territory from the enemy, the more spiritual opposition will continue to arise. So stand firm, stay on guard, and put on the full armor of God for this is spiritual battle. Amen. Now, some of you, you're a little wide-eyed and you're like, what just happened? That's okay. You don't have to be afraid. We'll talk about it later. In fact, I'm going to tell you how you can live in victory every day. Uh, There was dozens, like over 50 people though, that commented and it sounded like you've been going through stuff too. So this is almost a year ago. And since then, I'm greatest trial, struggle, challenge, opposition we've been through. Since then, though, I'm telling you, we've seen the greatest spiritual outpouring in our time of ministry that we've ever seen. Nothing short of miraculous what God has been doing right in front of our eyes. The most salvations and water baptisms that I can recall. Scores of people set free from things that have held them back for far too long. More on that on point two. And supernatural gifts of the Spirit activated each week in people that have never been used by God before. Come on, why? Because oftentimes the greatest spiritual attacks are right before our greatest spiritual breakthroughs. We're believing for more this year. You got to know the enemy won't attack a useless target. I'm always worried about people that say, I've never been attacked by the devil. I'm like, I wish you'd do something for God so you could be, you know, like, get in the game, partner. Like, we need you. Tag in WWE, tag a brother, you know, whatever it is. I'm just saying, because the enemy's not worried about your past, he's terrified of your future. And it's only when we're engaged in this thing, the battle of life, spiritual warfare, that he's gonna fight against us. I'm telling you this stuff not to make you afraid, but to make you aware. 
Followers of Jesus should never live in fear because we're full of faith. But I don't want you to be unaware of these devil schemes. All right, the second thing that I wanna show you here in this text from spiritual warfare or about spiritual warfare is number two, spiritual assignments must be exposed. That's why we're talking about it here today. It's got to be exposed. He says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, authorities, powers of the dark world, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. So if our battle is not what we see, but what's really going on, we need to ask the help of Holy Spirit. If we're only relying on what we can see and what we feel, we're going to miss a lot of the battle or we're going to be misdirected at who or what we're supposed to be fighting which is why I think the church in America fights with itself more than the church around the world. The church of the global South has experienced the power of the Holy Spirit in ways our nation has only prayed about. So it's no wonder why there's less infighting amongst the believers around the world than there is here in our nation. Maybe you're wondering, well, pastor, how do I know if I'm under spiritual attack? Let me give you a few indicators. I wrote these down that that if these are happening in your life, it might be a spiritual attack. Uh, number one, you're suffering from extreme confusion. By the way, it's why I'm convinced that everything we're seeing when it comes to gender and sexuality, all the confusion of our land, it's why I know it's a spiritual attack. It doesn't make sense biologically. It doesn't make sense scientifically. It doesn't make sense in any other way. It only makes sense if you understand it to be a spiritual attack from the pit of hell. Here's another thing. Do you have a lack of peace? You might be under spiritual attack. Do you have a desire to quit? I put three blue check marks next to those three things for my life last year. I was like, bing, bang, boom, got it. Spiritual attack. I didn't uh, mark these two, but they're also indicators. Just wanted to confess in front of everybody before I said it. The fourth one is intense temptation. I'll, I'll be killed, so I'm not worried about temptation. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> for real, she'll kill me, so it's all good. Um, but number five, drawn to old lifestyles. I just, sinning sounds like a lot of work to me because I just got a lot going on. And so it's not, but if you're prone, if you're feeling that intense temptation, like, man, I don't understand what's going on. You're drawn to old lifestyles. You're like, I thought he whom the sun set free was free indeed. It, it really might be a spiritual attack. Those should be indicators to you to say, hey, what I'm seeing is, is not what's really going on. There's, there's more to it. You know, the enemy's deceitful. Talked about this last week, right? He'll make your mind go crazy with thoughts that just don't make sense. Man, I feel like I had so many talks with Pastor Vicente about that. I was like, this doesn't make sense. He's like, it, it won't, Pastor Derek. It's spiritual. He just, he's explaining that to me over and over. He was, he was telling me as he's, you know, got saved here in this church over 20 years ago, he's been uh, on staff and part of this church longer than anybody else on our staff. And he said, the spirit of Jezebel had been active in this church for many years, long before we even moved here. And last year became the year of us dealing with it. Hence added spiritual opposition. We shouldn't be like, well, I wonder why this happened. We know why it's happening. When we're reclaiming territory that the enemy thought he could set up camp and build a little village, we shouldn't be surprised that he's like, no. So we had to deal with it. Let me just say this as clearly as I can. I'll preach point two for like two months, so I can't say it all here, but let me just say it this way. 
You can't counsel what you should cast out. Some people are coddling demons and addictions and this kind of stuff instead of casting them out. And it's no wonder why you continue to struggle. Let me give you three words that will help you. You gotta go. In the name of Jesus, I'll get to that in seventh, how you live in victory, but you gotta go. Like we don't need to discuss it for a long time. We don't need to ask anybody how you're feeling about it. We don't need to follow up. Just you gotta go. In Jesus' name, you gotta go. I mentioned it earlier. Let me just expound on it a little bit more here. You know, we do offer ministry here at Celebration specifically designed to help you in spiritual warfare. Some of you have heard of it. Plenty have experienced it. It's on the website. We talk about it, prayer counseling and deliverance. Why? Because spiritual warfare is real and you were designed to live in victory. These keys to victory, this life that God has intended for you to live, it's not meant to be a secret or only for a select few. This is how he wants everybody to live and we wanna help you understand this. But the truth is, after a lifetime of sin, sometimes generations of sin, it leaves believers wounded and in need of inner healing and deliverance from bondages and addictions and demonic activity that's not welcome in the life of believers. Now, this is understood plainly around the world, but for some reason, we've reduced salvation, transformation, regeneration of the believer to raise your hand in a service and then go right back to everything that you've been living. Which makes no sense, because if you've been set free, why would you return to those kind of things? Think about it in a physical addiction. We understand this with people who are getting free from the holds of drugs and alcohol. We'd be like, why would you just go back to a bar? And yet it seems like we forget about this spiritually. We know this to be true around the world. It's listening to the Change the Map podcast and, and uh, our area leader was talking about this, that in, in these other countries around the world as people have worshiped to false gods and idols and offered incense and food before these things. Darth Lee talked a little bit about this in Cambodia, but this leader was talking about in other nations. They said, when somebody comes to faith in Jesus Christ, we often, we need to go to their house. We need to purge some stuff. We need to deliver any spirit, cut off any assignment from the enemy and get rid of it, not give it to another family member, but burn it in Jesus name, because it ain't going to help anybody. It's always to steal, kill and to destroy. But in America, we're like, well, if you say a prayer, everything's okay. That's how we say it too, by the way. That's a, that's a spot on impersonation of a weak and wimpy pastor helping people stay deceived to the plans of the enemy. And again, you don't need to be afraid. You don't need to be worried. You don't need to live in fear. Greater see this in us. All right, Pastor Josiah is working on his master's degree and I'm not, so I'm just gonna read a quote from a book he's reading. I'm interviewing everybody for credentials. I ain't got time to be writing papers that aren't applicable to my job right now. But thank the Lord for Pastor Josiah getting up early, staying out late. Anyway, it's Gentle and Lowly is the book title, The Heart of Christ for Sinners and Sufferers by Dane Ortland. The author said it this way. We tend to think of the miracles of the gospel as interruptions in the natural order. Yet miracles are not an interruption of the natural order, but a restoration of the natural order. We've become so used to a fallen world that sickness, disease, pain, and death seem natural. In fact, they're an interruption. 
Jesus' healings are not the supernatural miracles in a natural world. They're the only truly natural thing in a world that is now unnatural, demonized, and wounded. Now, Pastor Josiah said in his email to me, it can be easy to think of pain, suffering, and spiritual attacks as a natural part of being human. But in fact, God's original creation included none of those things. And his recreation will one day eliminate those things from our lives. We should instead be telling our, we should not be telling ourselves that I was created for suffering. Rather, we should be saying I was not created for suffering. I was created for freedom and rest with God. Therefore, the goal of prayer counseling deliverance is to simply get us pointed back in that direction so that we can walk with Jesus unhindered by the forces of evil. So it's in these sessions as we were discussing these times of prayer together that we ask the Holy Spirit to reveal things to us that are hindering our freedom. We don't want to say this is what I think. We want to say, what does God think? What is the Holy Spirit saying, right? Even in scripture, we can see at times, Judges chapter six, it's, it's not in my notes and it's not on the screen, but Super Bowl's not for a while, so let's just read it. I mean, you're already here, so if you want to leave, you can leave and... We'll be like, they're getting their kids. Um, Judges chapter six, Gideon had come on. He was worshiping the Lord. And so this whole idea of going back, tracing back to a root or saying, where, where did this problem enter my family in my own life or in my family and say, I, I got to replace what the enemy wanted to bring death and destruction into my life and into my family. And instead, I want to make it a place of worship. We can read in Judges chapter six. Uh, 24, Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it, the Lord is peace. To this day, it stands there. Verse 25, the same night, the Lord said to him, take the second bull from your father's herd, the one that is seven years old. So he already worshiped. There was an awesome encounter with God. God said, you're not gonna die. He worshiped him saying, the Lord is peace. And then God said, it's time to do something else. How many people know if Gideon had to pray and worship more than once, it might be a good idea for us. This, was, this whole idea was explained to my daughter. Why do we believe in the continual discipleship of every follower of Jesus? That it's not a 13-week class and we graduate, we're discipled. It's ongoing in our lives. It continues. We continue to read the word. We continue to memorize. We continue to pray. We don't graduate and we've learned everything there is to know about following him. We're on this process. Verse uh, 25, then the Lord said to him, take the second bowl from your father's herd, the one that's seven years old, tear down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. He said, you didn't start it, but you've got to finish it. So listen, even if you're a first generation believer, you're the first one in your family that's come to faith in Jesus Christ. You have the awesome privilege to change the direction, the forward motion of your family tree. Listen, I'll admit to you, I don't battle with a whole lot of stuff in my life because for generations, I've got men and women full of faith on both sides of the family, on my wife's side, my dad, my side, my mom's side, my dad's side, both sides. of They've been following Jesus for generations. And so we just have to ask the question, if we weren't blessed to win the birth lottery like your pastor did, will you be courageous enough to change the future for generations going forward? (laughs) 
So it says, tear down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. Some are like, cool. But listen, here's the important thing. You don't just rebuke or restrict something before. You gotta replace it with the things of God. He says, verse 26, then build up a proper kind of altar to the Lord. On top of this height. (laughs) Using the wood from the Asherah pole that you cut down, offer a second bowl as a burnt offering. That's in the Bible. I'm not in my notes, but it is in the Bible. (laughs) I have no idea where I was or what I was talking about, but that'll help somebody. All right. You know what? Let's just go to the next page because I don't know where I was. All right. Uh, So we want to help people with that. Oh yeah, there we go. I did have notes at some point, but not about that. Um, So we want to ask the Holy Spirit to show us the root of an erroneous mindset that's limiting us today. It was in prayer that the Lord said, you know what, go back to this. It was something that your dad did and brought into your family. And you, we use these words a lot in our prayers, knowingly or unknowingly. Some of you may be wondering, well, do you require everybody to uh, sign up for a session with prayer counseling and deliverance? No, we just offer it if you want it. If you feel like you're struggling, you feel like you need some help, talk to somebody, pray with somebody, ask the Holy Spirit to help you. Now, because we recognize the ever-increasing need to help the hurting and our community within these walls and beyond, in light of the deception that people have lived with for years and even generations, we're asking everybody this year again to pray about being part of the ministry to help those in need. Last year, it was just one year ago, in February, we began these training sessions on Tuesday nights, preparing for this with three focuses, prayer counseling, deliverance, and marriage ministry, or marriage counseling, or marriage helps. I'm not really sure what it is. I just wrote marriage, but it feels like there should be a second word. But the truth is they all work together. See, in our nation, we've believed lies that marriage is a coin flip. Why? Because we believe lies that we're not gonna pray together. We're not understanding the attack of the enemy to tear apart marriage and family. So they go hand in hand and the Holy Spirit leads us. And so we wanna train people in these areas. So we're offering more training classes next month. I'm trying to summarize an announcement I was given to mention to you. (laughs) Starting March 5th, Tuesday night at 6.30, Tuesday nights, A1, A2. We're gonna have these training classes. I think 20 people already signed up. You could talk to any of our pastors but specifically probably Pastor Joe, Pastor Andy, Pastor Ash, uh, as they're leading these areas. We wanna help you help others. We just ask two things for you. If you're like, I don't know if I can be part of it. Number one, we need you to know how you hear from God. If you're not sure about the voices that you're hearing when you're praying, we're gonna need to help you learn that before you talk to other people. We don't need confused people helping other confused people. Number two, we need you to actually care about the other people you're going to pray with. Not showing up, saying, oh, I can't believe you. You're struggling with this. Oh, I can't believe you're there. You can believe it because the clutches of sin are far reaching, but the power of God is greater. So just know how you hear from God and be willing to help. So you could do that. We're going to need some people to help with the marriage mentoring and counseling, that kind of stuff. Let me just say it this way. If you have gifts, talents, and abilities from God that you're not using for his glory, we could use you. Sign up, get in the game. Don't sit on the sidelines any longer. It's going to be there. Now, let me say this, because some people say, oh, well, cool. I'm going to sign up for a session, and then I'm just going to go on with my life. That's not how it works. 
This is not cheap grace that you just keep sinning and let God's grace abound. This is not some get out of jail free card and just do whatever you want. Let me just say this as clearly as I can, all part of this same point from the other verse. Spiritual warfare also requires personal responsibility. It's not like, oh, well, the pastor will pray it away for me. I'm praying for you, but you gotta take some responsibility. Why? Right there back in the scripture. Look at verse 13. Therefore, you put on the full armor of God. It doesn't say have your pastor dress you. That'd be weird. We're arresting pastors for that, by the way. There's, you know, that's, that's not okay. I'm just saying, that's not, mm-mm. you don't pass the credential. That's not okay. Mm-mm. Don't, no, nope, mm-mm. You dress yourself. But this is countercultural to the times we're living in because people like blaming somebody else for their problems and failures, right? It says, so that when the day of evil comes, I would submit to you, we're probably in it, doesn't seem like we're in the days of righteousness. Said you may be able to stand your ground. It doesn't say your pastor will stand your ground for you. It says you got to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, some of us haven't done anything. Amen. That's good preaching. Even if you didn't want to encourage me, you got to put on the armor. You got to stand your ground. You got to do everything. I get it. That doesn't fly these days. People like to say, well, my dad wasn't there. And my mom didn't hug me. And my teacher didn't help me. And my government isn't providing for me. And my pastor couldn't reach me. My employer doesn't appreciate me. My kids don't value me. All of those things might be true. I'm not saying they're not. I'm just saying might. And yet, Spiritual warfare requires each of us to take personal responsibility. So the challenge for us is to take personal responsibility and yet remain dependent upon the Holy Spirit. We've got to take personal responsibility, but we can't think that we've learned it all. We've got to rely upon his wisdom and his strength, but we can't just sit back and do nothing. It's this balance. We can't play the blame game. We've got to take responsibility. If you need inner healing, sign up for prayer counseling. If you need deliverance from addictions and strongholds, request a meeting. We can't do it for you. But we will walk with you as the Holy Spirit works in your life. All right, number three. This is where I really wanted to get to. I'm trying to do math of when we normally get out. Not that we are, but I'm just, I was trying to figure out uh, because our services start at different times. Number three, spiritual victory can be experienced. You could say spiritual victory should be experienced. You could say, I want to experience victory. I'm just telling you, it can be experienced, but it's not a guarantee unless we do things his way. We can't lose if we do it his way, but a lot of people can't win because they refuse to follow his instructions. I, I just say, this is the reality of my daily life, living in victory. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to live in fear. We can be full of faith. If you turned out during point two, I hope you tune back in right now, but I'm going to get you in the next six weeks when I come back to point two with all the armor. All right. Yes. Number one, spiritual warfare is to be expected. Yes. Number two, spiritual assignments must be exposed, but hear me today. Number three, spiritual victory can be experienced. Yeah, this message is not a doom and gloom message. This series is not a fear and shame series. It's all a message of victory. How do we know we can win? Romans 8, 37 says, in all these things, 
Come on, we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. Come on, he goes on to talk about there's nothing, no heights or depths or opponents or, or demons or principality. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. So why is it that so many of us are living as less than conquerors? We're living it less than the way God designed us and, and the way he intended because we're fighting spiritual warfare with physical ways. This is what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse three. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. Well, some of us do, but we shouldn't. Verse four, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Come on, these are ways. I wanna give you seven ways. There was really only six in the pastoral survey that I sent out, but there's no way I was gonna have six good things on the list about spiritual warfare, so I added a seventh because I'm the pastor and I was gonna make it God's number. I also didn't put any numbers on the note sheet because I didn't know how many I would get through. My wife said it might need to be part two, but we're getting it all today. You're just gonna stay here till I'm done or till you're done, I don't know. But number one, this is a repeat. This is the bonus one, the word of God. That's the last piece of armor that I'm gonna talk about, but that's like two months away, so I'm just gonna mention it right here. It's the word of God. If you wanna live in daily victory, if you wanna experience the victory that God has designed you for and planned for you, you've got to begin to utilize the word of God. Hebrews 4.12 says, the word of God is alive and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. I remind you, Jesus himself used the word of God to win in spiritual warfare. If you recall, when Jesus was out in the wilderness, prayer and fasting, the devil came to Jesus with different temptations. He was like, if you're the son of God, make this turn into Applebee's. Saw a commercial for that the other day. We were sad again that they closed in Lakeville, all the way in Apple Valley. I don't go to Apple Valley. I can't go to Applebee's for that. Anyway, has nothing to do with my message, but I'm hungry. Um, what, how did Jesus respond? How did he fight and win spiritual warfare? It was him versus the enemy. He said, it is written. Bummer for many Christians is we don't know what's written. Or we don't like what's written, some parts of it, so we wanna skip it. The power is not found in picking and choosing, friends. You ever thought about that when you're making a recipe, you're baking cookies, you don't get to pick which part of the recipe you include. You're like, well, that item on its own, it tastes weird, so I wanna skip that one. It'll taste weirder when without it. We need the whole counsel of scripture. We, we need the whole, and, and, and the problem is, I think many people are living with less victory in their lives than, than Jesus had, obviously, that he wants for us because we don't simply use the word of God. We read it through our preferences, through our feelings. We're like, oh, I don't. Many people are not victorious because they've been lied to and have settled for less than based upon what the enemy has said instead of what God has said. You've got to allow God's word to be louder in your life than any word from the pit of hell. Each year I go through reading the Bible, different translations and different order, whatever it is, I just encourage you, make it part of your daily routine. 
Because there's something about the word of God. When we walk with Christ, is to know him, is to read his word. Why? Because the word of God builds us up. Maybe that's why so many feel beaten down. It doesn't matter, spoiler alert, it doesn't matter what your boss, your coworker, or even your spouse, kids, your neighbor says about you. If they're like, you're mean, that's okay, I'm a child of God. Not it's okay, if you are mean, don't be mean. I'm just saying, the labels, the things that other people say about you don't speak louder than what God says about you. We gotta know the word of God builds us up. It reminds us who we are in Christ. The word of God shows us his plans for our lives. And when we know what he has planned for us, we won't settle for what other people have planned for us. All right, number two. I gotta, number two, the authority of Jesus. If you want to experience total victory in your life, each and every day of your life, you need to walk in the authority of Jesus' name. There is great power in the name of Jesus. Throughout scripture, we read in Jesus' name, or he would say in my name and in his name. The demons were then, are now, and will be later powerless because of the name of Jesus. Luke 10, 72 says this. The 72 returned with joy. After what? Spiritual warfare. You you might've grown up, you're always like scared of spiritual warfare. Look in the Bible. These believers were fired up. They were filled with joy. Why? Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. I think they were filled with joy because they learned something they didn't know before. They might've learned about it, but there's something different when you experience it. And they learned there's great power in Jesus' name. Still today, there's something significant about the name of Jesus, right? That name, his name causes more controversy than any other name. Speak the name of Jesus and division pops up because there's so much power in it. You can speak the name of Buddha or Muhammad or Krishna or any other name without much batting of an eye or lifting of a finger, but the authority that is found only in the name of Jesus will stir things up in people you never saw before. We see this throughout the book of Acts. Miracles were done and spiritual warfare won simply when people declared the name of Jesus over their situation. What do we know is true? Salvation, it's only found in his name. Healing, it's only found in his name. Hope is only found in his name. Deliverance only happens in his name. Demons always flee from his name. Freedom is always found in his name. Why? Because his name is a strong tower. The Bible says the righteous run to it and are saved. got to begin to live in the authority of Jesus. Number three, we got to experience the power of Holy Spirit. We talked about this last week, right? We don't have to wait till Pentecost. We need this every day of our lives. We, why in the world would any believer want to fight for victory in spiritual warfare without the help of Holy Spirit? It doesn't make sense to me. Jesus said he's our advantage, Remember that? Jesus told his followers, you know what? It's going to be better for you if I leave so that I could ask the Father to give you your advantage, the helper, your advocate. He's available to each and every one of us still today. This is what Paul said earlier in Ephesians chapter three to that same church in Ephesus. He said, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power 
through his spirit in your inner being. I just want to tell you, friends, that as you break free from a bondage that has held you back, you need the power of the Holy Spirit to strengthen your inner being. Don't just clean your house, fill the clean house with Holy Spirit. So I'm like, what does that mean? If you've not been baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, an unknown prayer language, I'd encourage you to seek the Lord and ask him for the good gift. Come forward for prayer in a few minutes, receive prayer, and we'll believe with you for this good gift in your life. Because you were not designed to go through life on your own, but to be the receptacle of his power and his glory so that he can shine through you in this life. You need the power. A Holy Spirit. Number four, you need the consistency of disciplines. Just talking about ways in my life and pastors on our staff, ways that we experience victory on a daily basis. You need the consistency of disciplines. Some people might have remembered the book. It was written a while back uh, before my time, but I've read it. Richard Foster wrote the book, Celebration of Disciplines. Seems like a, a weird title today. We're like, oh, I don't know, but come on, but it's a good thing. We understand that. Successful, I don't know who said it, but uh, a lot of people, but I'll say it here. Successful people do consistently what other people do occasionally. And I believe this to be true spiritually as well. Paul said it this way, 1 Timothy 4, 8, for physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. Look, we're trying to be more healthy this year and keeping some sugar out and those kind of things. I don't want to gain back the weight that I lost during fasting, but more than that, <laughs> I don't want to lose the spiritual power that I received from him in those times. I don't want to forfeit the spiritual anointing that, that he's placed on my life just because I want to hit the snooze button. or want, You need the consistency of disciplines. The truth is the stakes are too high for us to settle for weak and wimpy faith. We need strong believers who will demonstrate the power of God for all to see. That's why we offer additional times of prayer, evenings of training, these kind of things, because the times we're in demand believers who won't back down and won't give up. Are you still with me? Say amen. All right, three more. Let, let me do three more and the team will come out when they're ready. I made it one extra point before they came out. First service, they just walked out. I was like, I'll be with you in a little bit. Number five, you ain't gonna rush me. Play all you want, I'm finishing. Number five, you need the accountability of community. I'm an American, I can do what I want. You can, but you probably shouldn't. Well, I feel like, again, feel your feelings, but don't follow them all the time the accountability of community. I've alluded to this a little bit. I'll be candid with you. I don't think I could really get away with anything. I'll be in a grocery store. One of you will just walk up to me. Hey, Pastor Derek, what you buying today? I'm like, Hopefully organic and gluten-free and everything else. I don't know, but I'll be in an airport across. Our, I was I was flying somewhere. I was in Chicago. Oh, I was flying to Kazakhstan. I was in Chicago and uh, a North Central University professor came up to me. I was at the gate for Qatar Airlines. He walked up to me and said, Pastor Derek. <laughs> six, six, I turned around. He said, well, what are you doing? I can't get away with nothing. I'm in Chicago trying to go to Kazakhstan and some dude walks up to me. You know, I was in, 
I was in Amsterdam airport when COVID was shutting down the world. South Dakota superintendent walked up to me at a gate. I was minding my own business, trying to get home to see my family. He said, Pastor Derek, what are you doing in Amsterdam? I said, I can't get away with nothing. There's accountability of community in my life. My wife knows my passwords. Of course, so does our whole staff, but that's a whole separate issue because <laughs> I don't remember them, so I got to get help. They're like, this is your login, Pastor. You got to do it again, you know? And they got my calendar. They tell me when I'm supposed to be in a meeting. I don't know. Can't get the phone and laptop to sync this week. It's because Pastor Lewis was gone. That's his fault. That's his fault. I needed him. He was not here for me. Help your pastor. Um, but I'm not even mad about it. And I know like some of you are like, well, well, Pastor Derek, shouldn't you just be, you know, knowing that you would hurt God's heart if you sinned? True. But I found in my own life, there's a little bit of knowing that the fire will burn you that helps the pursuit of holiness. Amen. You need it too. That's all right. What do we see in Ecclesiastes? That's fine. You don't want to say it. It's still true. Some of you are like, yeah, pastor, don't sin. I'll keep doing it though. No, you shouldn't. Ecclesiastes chapter four, verse nine, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up, but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. In other words, we got to see the blessing in our accountability, the, the, the blessing in our boundaries, the blessing of being in relationship with other people. I'm not saying everybody needs to know your business, but somebody should. You were not made to live in isolation and on your own. The devil's whispers are always louder when you're all by yourself. We gotta be in a group, have a good circle of people that we can be accountable with. Because sometimes we might try to deceive ourselves, but there's great strength in relationship with others who know us and love us enough to correct us when we're going a bit off course. Number six, and I get ready to close which is not the same as actually closing, but I'm giving you hope. It's the sacrifice of praise. The enemy hates it when you worship. I've taught this before. I think it was last fall. I'm not sure, but worship really is warfare. There's something about it, right? It's why he tries so hard to get you distracted and discouraged in the minivan on your way to church. He knows there's something supernatural about opening your mouth and lifting your hands and singing a new song unto the Lord. Psalm 100 verse four says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. So we combine the hard work and perseverance of the Lutherans and the jubilance of Pentecostals with thanksgiving and praise. Come on, we're better together. We need each other. Worship isn't about singing for the sake of tradition. It's about submitting ourselves to the commands of God's word. And so I've never understood somebody's like, well, I'm not really a singer. What's that got to do with worship? I don't really raise my hands. You do when Jefferson gets a touchdown. We're believing in faith. You know, he's not gonna be hurt. We're gonna resign him. We're gonna bring him back. <laughs> Dear Jesus, help him. You know, we need him. Okay. <laughs> The son doesn't even care if the Vikings win. He just wants to see Jefferson, you know, like, ah, help him, help him. 
Worship gives us the opportunity to submit our day, our issues, our struggles to him. And when we worship, when we lift him up, he brings victory down to us. So this is why I don't understand. Somebody, I don't really like worship. You don't like winning? I wonder what our world would look like if believers worship more than they whined. All right, okay. Um, that's why I write this stuff down because otherwise I'd chicken out and wouldn't say it. It's easy to say it in my living room. Anyway, listen, I know you're going through stuff and the struggle is real, but the struggle's spiritual and so's the solution. You can worship your way through the struggle. By the way, historically speaking, I believe the devil hates your worship so much because it's what he used to do. Scholars will tell us that the worship leader of heaven, he would reflect the light and, and the sounds and, and the wind that would blow. And, and, and he was really like the worship leader of heaven. And so when he began to read his own press clippings. He thought he was worthy of being worshiped. He was kicked out of heaven. He was removed from the presence of God. And so when he sees us enjoying the presence of God, lifting his name up in worship, what he's really seeing is what his future could have been. So far be it from us to sit there with our hands in our pockets and our arms folded just because we don't feel like it. Because worship isn't really about our feelings anyway. Look, I hope you like the music. I hope you like the song we sing, but it's not really what worship is about. Worship is about him. And so if he's worthy, we can figure it out. No, I get it. I like singing songs I know. We had a little talk. I was like, pick a few, repeat them so I can learn them. That's why we sang a song today that we sang last week. I don't know if we're gonna sing it next week, but we might. But I'm just saying, we're gonna learn it. <laughs> All this week in my meetings, man, I was just sitting there saying, Jehovah's I was repeating it. There's something about worship. All right, number seven, I, I gotta finish and, and we'll pray. And if you have kids, eventually go get them, please. Pastor Ryan wants to go home at some point. You need the prayers of agreement. These are things that we participate in within the life of Christian community. You need the prayers of agreement. Listen, you ought to pray on your own. You ought to pray through your list, but I'm telling you, there's something powerful about unity in prayer. There's power in linking our faith together and presenting our requests to God. So in just a few moments when the team begins to lead us again, we're, we're gonna invite the pastors, prayer partners forward, and we're gonna do just that. We're gonna practice some of these ways that we live in victory. Matthew chapter 18 says, Jesus was saying again, truly I tell you that if Two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for. It will be done for them by my Father in heaven. He's talking about the power of unity. What's he saying? For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. This is maybe even more powerful than you've previously understood. Matthew chapter 18, the context that Jesus is speaking to is those who have ought with one another, those who've been in disagreement, those who are fighting with one another. Jesus says, if you'll get unified in prayer, God will do a miracle. So think about how much more powerful if two or three believers will get together in prayer and Jesus doesn't have to do a miracle, the Father doesn't have to bring restoration to our relationships, could we go forward in faith together in ways that we've never thought possible? So yes, in a minute, if you got a problem with somebody, like get it figured out, if you hate one of the prayer partners, pray with them. I really mean it. 
because there'll be a miracle that'll happen in your life, but how much more if we just can pray with one another? How much more in your marriage, in your family? If you'll grab the hand of your spouse, if you pull your kid close, if you'll just take time to pray with each other. Because there's something happens. If I'm just telling you, friends, if you want to experience victory in your everyday life, you got to participate in the prayers of agreement. All right, if you're able, would you stand to your feet? I got I to gotta pray, I got to pray, and we're going to open. Pastors and prayer partners, come at this time. Come at this time. Team's going to lead us in song. What are, what are we singing? I don't know. I'm just saying, what is it? Jehovah. That's it. That's the song I was just talking about. Look at that. Look at that. Should have remembered. We already did this in first service, but I forgot. I was just in the moment. <laughs> Looking at the clock, we're not going to have an official dismissal. I recognize where that is. If you have an appointment, you can go as soon as I pray, but I'm just asking. We're here. Like This is the moment that we've been waiting for, been praying for, believing for. Don't leave the way you came. Because I believe you and I can. We were created and should live in total victory every day of our lives. We don't need to live in fear or afraid of, of the powers of the enemy. We got something greater. But, but if you're here and, and you, you need prayer today, we want to pray with you. If you're here, you want us to agree on behalf of somebody else, we're going to pray for that as well. Because there's something that happens in the prayers of agreement. Now, if everything's going great in your life, would you just pray for everybody else? Would you lift high the name of Jehovah with us? But, but we're gonna pray for a little while. We're gonna worship. We're gonna participate in this thing called daily life of victory. If nothing else, you can have a few moments of victory here today. And one of the things we wanna do is experience in here how it's supposed to look out there. So you can know, you can come forward. If everybody's already praying for somebody, just wait and you can stand in the aisle and then come forward. We're gonna be here. This is what we came for. Tell us your name and your need. We'll be honored to pray for you. Let me pray for everybody. And then we're gonna worship. We'll pray. And when you need to go, God bless you. Thank you for being here today. Let me pray for us. Father, today, we give you thanks that because of the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary, who died because of our sin for us, but didn't stay dead, rose again, because of the great gift of Holy Spirit, we've been given everything we need to be victorious in this life. We're not unaware of the schemes of the enemy, the plans that he has, but Lord, we, we lean in. We ask Holy Spirit, highlight those good things in our lives. Let us trace back a place where we allowed the work of the enemy to come in and bring deception into our life. And we're gonna replace those lies with the truth of your word, that you have good plans for us, to prosper us, to give us hope and a future in Jesus' name. So Father, today, on behalf of your children, in this room and watching online and at a later time, I ask that you would help each of us live in victory today. And Father, I pray you continue through the help of your Holy Spirit as we continue to study your word that we would be victorious in this battle that we're in. Father, we give you thanks and praise today in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. If you want prayer, would you step out as we worship a little bit longer here today? Let's lift high the name of Jehovah here today. We hope that you learned something from this message and are able to apply it to your life. If you gave your life to Jesus for the first time or the 10th time, reach out to us on Facebook or email us at info at celebrationchurch.net. 
Thank you for listening, and we'll see you again next week.